Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo, and hello, everybody. Welcome to another awesome episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. I'm your host, Mike, this week, every week. And today is going to be fun. It's fun when things come together, when you think about a video concept, especially when you do it with a friend. And that's what ha is going to happen tonight. Uh, one of my buddies was here a couple of weeks ago visiting the card room. We were looking at some autograph stuff and we were talking through some video ideas, content ideas. He was talking about something. I'll let him tell you the story. It's better than me. We'll bring him on right now. I don't have a lot to tell you right now. We're going to get into this because this is going to be a fun discussion. Here's my buddy, James Elite Hunters. What's up, buddy? How you doing? How's everything? Things are good. How about you? Good, good. Um, I'm grateful to be on once again. And I'm excited because like you were uh, saying that this was a topic that really got my fires going. I was listening to it actually in the car. I sometimes listen to YouTube content and this one had me going. I had to call you as soon as I finished watching it. <laughs> so what you're referring to is I had a discussion about war per plate appearance and, and on that video, it's it's just a thing that I thought of as, as a better way to think about war instead of just cumulative war over a career. And it really rewards guys that played a long time, uh, that were at least better than average for a long time. And so I did war per plate appearance. But man, James, I have gotten criticisms galore on that about it's a flawed method. Look, no, there's no perfect stat in baseball that tells the complete story of any player's career. It, it just doesn't exist. And so war per game and war per, you know, OPS per plate appearance and all kinds of different ways, OPS plus per plate appearance. There's all kinds of ways you can measure a player's career. And what's great about baseball is just there's so many stats to look at and there's so many things Oh, this guy had a better slugging than this guy. This guy had more home runs or hits or doubles or you name it, right? <clears throat> then you got defense and all those. So there's so many things that play into it. And as you and I were talking, we were like, well, how can we make a video about that? Using that stat as at least an anchor for making an argument about a topic that we're going to discuss tonight, which is who are the best players at each position that are not in the hall of fame. I love prospecting for hall of famers, James. I know you do too. Like thinking like who's next, who's overlooked, who's not in that should be agreed. 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 And the other thing is that you didn't mention was the eye test. A lot of the players I'm going to bring up are people that I witnessed playing 
and I could use my own eyes and opinion and comparison to other players that I idolize and say, yeah, that guy was the best or one of the best at, at his era, at his position. And that's another thing of how I looked at it when I was thinking of names to bring up. I do wish we thought of things more in eras, you know, and, and how do you compare Babe Ruth to Barry Bonds? You can't even Babe Ruth to Hank Aaron or, or it's impossible to do that. Now war does a good job of equalizing that because your season war is based on the average player in that year, not average player over the history of the game or anything like that. But, War's still not perfect. War for plate appearance isn't perfect. I'm not saying it is. But what we did was we broke down. We're going to kind of go back and forth by position, say who each of us thinks is the best player in that uh, from that position that's not in the Hall of Fame. Now, a couple caveats. Number one, no roids, guys. We're pretty much leaving the roids guides out of it because it's just not a tree we want to or a hill we want to die on tonight. Um, but so no roids guys, or at least known roids guys, right? And our obvious roids guys. And then we also, um, there was something else I wanted to mention about that. What else am I thinking, James? <laughs> I guess you know? we're, we're not bringing people from crazy eras or something like that where they don't match up, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, and I'll think of what I was trying to say earlier. I'll, it'll just come to me in a moment, and I'll and I'll bring it up. But what position do you want to start with? You get to pick. I get to pick. Okay, how about we pick one that they're different eras, but I at least saw both of them play. And for the life of me, part of the reason why I also wanted to discuss this is because I think the Hall of Fame is getting watered down. The more and more some of these players are being let in or the veterans committee lets them in i think it's watering it down so if what, we're gonna let on, i want to discuss that for a second because i've seen a lot of arguments over the last week since the camp since the pro football hall of fame induction happened of you know they let in 10 guys a year and there's a lot less players in football in the league than there are in baseball right well actually there's more players in football right but in terms of the history of the game, how many players have played baseball has significantly more players that have played professional or major league baseball versus in the NFL. And so the percentage of players that gets in like the hall of fame is still pretty, it's, it's still the most exclusive club to be in, in sports is the baseball hall of fame. And so to say it's getting watered down, I do agree there are players in there, both you know players that I saw play and players from eras gone by that probably don't merit induction. But I don't know that I would say the Hall of Fame is getting watered down. We had how many guys got in this year? Two. 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 Well, Roland and McGriff. Go ahead. And then would you say then the bar is being lowered? I think that greatness is being redefined okay if you That's left it if you left it only to the absolute inner circle hall of famers yeah it's getting watered down but i don't think you can 
you know, I think there's more to the game than just putting in the five greatest players of any given era or 10 greatest players of any given era. I don't, I don't, or decade, pick a decade or whatever. I don't, I don't know that that's a fair representation of the greatness that was being played. I don't know. I mean, that's what I love about talking about any of this is you and I are going to agree on some positions, disagree on others. And the great thing is it's just fun to talk about. Like, let's just keep talking. It's not a right or wrong. I'm right. You're wrong, which would actually be the opposite. You would be right. I would be wrong actually most likely. But the the point is let's just talk. about. It's fun to talk about. So what it's, position are we starting with? Third base. Third? And you oh, mentioned, okay. yes, you mentioned the name. The hot Roland. Scott Rowland. Yep. Just got in. Congratulations. Just Scott. got in. Good for him. But if he is in, then I think Greg Nettles should be in. And I would say Greg Nettles was probably growing up the best third baseman I ever watched Pickett at the hot corner. And he was the standard, the gold standard. And with his bat, he was not weak. He he did everything well, but his glove was supreme. So I looked at both their careers and I was shocked to see that Greg Nettles was not too far off from Roland's career. So why can't we revisit Greg Nettles? Plus, are there many better than Greg Nettles in his time? Yeah, and that's what you, in in his time was Greg Nettles one of the top. I mean, you had at the same time you had Schmidt, Brett. I'm trying to think of other uh, great third basemen of the era. That's probably it, right? That's probably it. And yeah, yeah if you're going to compare Nettles to those two, who are considered two of the best ever at that position, it's going to pale in comparison. But now when you compare them to others like Roland, Greg Nettles was pretty damn good. Right. And um, one of the things that I looked at with their stats was home runs. Who do you think had a better career with home runs, Roland or Greg Nettles? I'm going to guess Greg Nettles or else you wouldn't have brought it up. Greg Nettles hit 390 home runs for his career while Roland only hit 316. And you never think of Greg Nettles as a big, burly dude that hits for a lot of home runs, but... If anything, I would look at Roland as a better home run hitter. He looked bigger to me. But Greg Nettles is indeed the one that had more home runs throughout his career. Where do you think Roland is on the on my little um, war per plate appearance? 300? Remember, I have 500 uh, top players on my list. I have it pulled up here. Not on screen, but I'm looking at it. Roland is number 67 all time in war for plate appearance. He is. 67? Yes. How? Just math, man. I just threw the math. (laughs) (laughs) It's just math. Now, Greg Nettles, in comparison, I'm not saying Greg Nettles shouldn't be in. He's 196th. Okay, he's not that far off, though. Uh, Well. 100. 100 players are better, right? But right. in turn, they're all, all kinds of different. Now, Greg Nettles, by the way, has the same career war per plate appearance. It's almost identical to Brooks Robinson, who everybody knows is a no-doubter Hall of Famer, right? 
Yes. And this war does include defense. So, so I would say Brooks Robinson and Greg Nettles are, and Greg Nettles played 22 seasons, by the way, um, comparable in absolute, almost identical in war per plate appearances. Brooks Robinson is 194. Greg Nettles is 196. So that's their ranking, by the way, of career or not career war, war per plate appearance all time. But Roland's way up there. So that's pretty, meaning maybe it's not that Scott Roland shouldn't be in, but Greg Nettles, if, if Scott Roland is in, you should certainly consider Greg Nettles. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying is we need to revisit some of the players not in, which is what we're talking about. But I thought Greg Nettles is a name that definitely who I saw play and was, man, was he a highlight reel, man. He was such a highlight reel. So I'm not even talking offensively. Defensively, you could have like a five-minute montage of some of his greatest plays, and they're all exciting. Well, we are going to have to go much faster or else this is going to be a five-hour video. <laughs> um, Who do you I, I gave you a little grace with Greg Nettles because he's a Yankee, So, and I know you're a Yankees guy, so I, I just I gave you a little bit of grace there. Uh, I put for third base, and I didn't – that's what's great about doing this is I was just doing it from, man, who do I think of when I think of great best players? Then I went and looked at stats. So I, I made my list off of my, you know, not looking at stats. And I put Michael Young. And Michael Young. Michael Young played short, played second. Like he played all over the place. That's Oh, that's what I was going to say earlier is a lot of these players weren't exclusive to one position. And so I put them in a place that I thought made the most sense. But the reality is. Michael Young played as many games at second and and uh, third as he or at second and shortstop as he did at third, but played all over the infield. But I, I put Michael Young just because I'm a homer. That's my Rangers guy. I watched him play pretty much every game of his career with the Rangers, and he, you know, Michael Young. If you go look at his stuff, I mean, he had six 200 hit seasons, and we That's think, a lot. I mean. 200 hits is hard, by the oh, way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a way overlooked thing. I don't think people go, wow, that's a lot of hits. And if your ultimate goal when you bat is to get a hit, uh, then he, Michael Young won a batting title. He was a seven-time All-Star, Gold Glover, World's uh, All-Star Game MVP. Not that that means a ton. It's like having a great game and everybody else sucks or something. But mm-hmm. – um, he led the league in hits twice. He only played 14 years, but he had 2,375 hits. And I'm going to use this to illustrate another point, another stat that I look at a lot when I look at a player's career and I'm evaluating their career on baseball reference, 162 game average matters to me a lot. You know, there are guys that get injured and don't play a full season and all these things the 162 game average is one of those stats that kind of levels the playing field for everybody per 162. How did they do? And then you can look because Michael Young only played 14 years. If he'd have played four or five more seasons, um, he started getting in, getting injured. If he'd played four or five more seasons, he could have gotten to 3000 hits. You know, if, if he would have Craig Biggio'd it where he just kind of kept playing, um, he batted 300 for his career on the dot 
300. That's pretty good. That's usually Hall of Fame worthy. I think he just did it in a market here in Texas that's just not – if he'd have done that, it's, I guess you could kind of you know call him the Donny, Don Mattingly of Texas, um, certainly with much less power and all that. But he's just – everybody in New York goes, oh, my gosh, Mattingly was the best. And da, 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 da. That's what we think. And I look at Don Mattingly's career and think, yeah, he had four or five good seasons, really great se- great seasons, actually. And the rest were very mediocre. Uh, Michael Young had seven or eight good seasons, but that's not enough, you know. Um, so I put Michael Young. But I would agree with you that if I was to pick the best player at third base based on the ones we brought up, any others that come to your mind on third base before we move on? No, third base was a little challenging. And, like, we have people like Adrian Beltre coming up. We're talking about people who aren't who are eligible, have been eligible. Right. Adrian Beltre is coming up. Uh, He's going to get in coming. first ballot. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year, actually. Um, okay, I get to pick the next position then. You get to pick. I'm going to go first base. Okay. And immediately when I thought first baseman, not in the Hall of Fame, most deserving, Dick Allen, Richie Allen, whatever you want to call him, he was the guy for me that I thought of as totally overlooked, the best player at that position, not in the Hall of Fame. Okay. All right. I kind of agree on that one. I thought he was more of an outfielder than first base, but there's, like you said, there's some people that played several positions in their career, and if you want to put him at first, the player itself, I think he was a beast in his era. If he was probably one of the scariest hitters in baseball when he dominated. Who, who did you have down for first base? See, this is how we go faster. I just ask you. Delgado. Carlos Delgado. Okay. And I, I remember seeing him play. He was a monster. And that is my thing, is he was a monster. And now you compare him to Maguire and certain other first basemen. It's hard to compare, but he wasn't linked to steroids. So now when you separate the steroid users, to me, it's just Jim Tomei, Delgado, you know, and not many others. Why isn't Delgado getting looked more for that, you know, his time? Do you think uh, Delgado is the case to me when I look at it, that he was overshadowed in his era by so many other yeah. first base? I mean, I would have picked Rafael Palmero if we were doing Royd's guys yes. for first base, and it's not even close. Right. The, the person most deserving statistically to be in the Hall of Fame that played first base is Rafael Palmero. Oh, 100%. But since we're excluding Royd guys, um, I, I do think Delgado was a product of being overshadowed with, by the Maguires. I mean, first base was such a beast position when Delgado played. It was such a... Uh, there was just so much talent and power and Delgado was great, you know, but I just think he got lost in the shuffle. But when you clean up the steroid users, you eliminate them. He shines brightly. How many 40 home run seasons did he have? Three of them. That's a lot for a career. There's not many people that hit for over 40 home runs. And when you compare him to someone like Fred McGriff, Fred McGriff had 10 
30 home run seasons. Delgado had 11 30 home run seasons, and McGriff played a longer career than Delgado. Yeah. That goes to show you against someone that's already in the Hall of Fame, Delgado actually per season outperformed him. Where are yeah. they in your list? I just want, I'm curious in your per plate appearance list, Delgado uh, and McGriff. Okay, who do you want first? McGriff, I guess. He's the gold standard since he's a Hall of Famer. He's the gold standard. I don't know that he's the gold standard. <laughs> he is number 400. 400. Four per plate appearance. And Delgado? Uh, and Delgado, so 400. Delgado is 406. <laughs> wow. So they're next so, They both sucked. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's close. It's close. I think McGriff got a look this year and he got in, and Delgado should get a look. I think he will down the road and because he's off the ballot now already. I think he only made it like one season or something, mm-hmm. one voting cycle, but he, he'll get looked at down the road in the veterans committee stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. Your turn to pick the position we've done first. I'm going to check these off and we've done third. Okay. I'll do an interesting one. Left field. I have Albert Bell. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to compare his 10 seasons to Barry Bonds's best 10 seasons that wasn't on the steroids, his Pittsburgh days. So I took 90 to 99 for Barry Bonds, and I took Albert Bell, 91 to 99. And they're very comparable. I mean, hits, Albert Bell outshined them. Doubles, home runs. RBIs outperform Barry Bonds. How does Albert Bell get overlooked? I think that Bell is just has a bad rap in the sport. Uh, to me, it's I wish they would get rid of the, you know, what do they call it? What clause is it? The, the, um, the golly, I can't. Yeah, go ahead, James. I'll be talking while you're going. Um, The ethical clause. I can't remember. I'm having a total blank moment, but character clause, whatever you want to call it. Just to me, it's about what they did on the field. I don't want to put a lot of, you know, axe murderers in the Hall of Fame, but at the same time, you know, Bell was caught cheating with the cork bat. I remember the cork bat incident, James. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And now... They sorted it up and didn't find anything, and he gave the big. It was this, yeah. not the bat. Yeah. I mean, I loved Albert Bell. I was afraid for him to get hit against my team. Um, but I thought that way about Juan Gonzalez. I thought Juan Gonzalez was, you know, not on the ballot long enough considering what he did. Uh, Bell never won an MVP, did he? Yeah. No, he actually kind of got robbed for one. He outperformed the MVP winner. I don't remember if it's 96 was the year. Not to say he got robbed. It's hard to say. But I think there were maybe two seasons where he was like the runner-up. And that's probably because he wasn't the good guy. He bowled over Vino when he didn't have Right, to. <laughs> right. Yeah, he had a bad rap. He, he, was, a, he was a great hitter, no question. Um, and I... 
I think he could get a, a shot. I went the romantic route for left field. I, I picked Shoeless Joe Jackson. I think <laughs> uh, I I just I know he'll never get in. I know he's banned for life. I know all those things, and yet I still think Shoeless Joe Jackson should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's a shame what happened, obviously, with the Black Sox scandal and all that, but uh, I don't know. The, the man was really, really good <laughs> and a really, really good ball player. And, he, you know, it's weird when a mistake – it uh, cheating actually, like steroids is, to me, way worse than what Joe Jackson did. Steroids takes a time commitment. I mean, you got to do it for a long time. Some of these guys did it for years. And Joe Jackson made a bad decision in a weak moment and took money, still played out of his mind in the World Series and got the ultimate punishment for it in terms of the game. It's a shame because steroids, you're cheating yourself against, you know, the history of the sport. And maybe, yeah, you help the team win a little bit better. But taking money mars the sport so that one leaves a better uh, i mean a worse black eye on the sport which yeah deserves uh far stricter punishment i guess yeah and i don't i'm not condoning any of those things it's just it's a shame that in that weak moment it cost him his legacy really yeah he would be considered one of the greatest players of all time oh definitely they uh, said he was better out. than like Ty Cobb and all these other guys back in that era. Yeah, he was crazy good. Okay, uh, center field. Okay, I picked Kenny Lofton. Okay, as my center fielder, and I I was not a Lofton proponent for the Hall of Fame, and then I started digging deeper, and um, yeah, Lofton is way overlooked. <laughs> Like, I think he's not um, – by the way, let me tell you, uh, Julius Joe Jackson, four per plate appearance, 19th all time. 19th. Wow. 19th. Who's uh, above him? Mays, Gehrig, Bonds, Trout, Hornsby, Josh Gibson, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Honus Wagner, Tris Speaker, Ty Cop. I mean, he's up there with the inner circle type yeah. production, right? The immortal. Um, who did you have in left? Oh, uh, Bell. Albert Bell. Where is he? Two eighty nine. Two eighty nine. Now I'm I'm thinking his defense factored into that. Well, he's got the same. I'm just using a a person right around him in the same area of the list. Andre Dawson, similar. Okay. Which is that's a fair comparison, actually. The Hawk played 21 seasons. Bell only played 12. I think that hurt Bell, too, is he only played 12 seasons. But, okay, where are we at? Uh, Kenny Lofton. Lofton is 123 all-time. Remember, there's about 300, 275-ish players in the Hall of Fame, right? So, if you think the best 275 players should be in, Kenny Lofton's inside of the two based on war per plate appearance. Uh, he's number 123. Uh, I, I just think Lofton combined speed and leadership and, you know, all the things that Kenny Lofton brought to a baseball game, and it was solid. Who is your center fielder? Actually, it's the same. What? And the thing I did was I 
I compared Tim Raines and Ichiro's career to Kenny Lofton, and he was right there with Ichiro and Tim Raines. Not, you know, some of them, like let's say Tim Raines outslugged Kenny Lofton, but Kenny Lofton outslugged Ichiro. And then where average uh, Ichiro is better than both, but then Kenny Lofton outperformed Tim Raines in average. So they were in some ways, Kenny Lofton was the middle ground between Tim Raines and Ichiro. So if you're going to compare careers to those two guys, how is Kenny Lofton not a Hall of Famer? So that's weird to me because I, I think Ichiro way better than Kenny Lofton, like not even close. And that's just my how my brain works, you know, when I think about the two oh, players. Who do you think had more steals, Kenny Lofton or Ichiro? Oh, Kenny Lofton, easy, I'm sure. 622 to 509. Okay. And another one, RBIs. Who had more RBIs, Kenny Lofton or Ichiro? Kenny Lofton, probably. 781 to 780. Okay, and they're right there. Mind you, Ichiro played longer, too. Sure. And even home runs, 130 to 117. So he outslugged them. It, I mean, and then his defense. Oh, my God, for four or five years, Kenny Lofton could rob anyone, run down anything. He was just a beast. Yeah, he had four gold gloves in his prime. Um, yeah. Okay. So we we both agree the best center fielder not in the Hall of Fame is Kenny Lofton. That's good. All right. Kenny Lofton, yes. Let's right, jump you... over to the yeah. infield. Okay. How about I throw out shortstop and I have Jimmy Rollins as my whole my non-Hall of Famer that should be in there. And okay. I actually compared his career to Barry Larkin and they were pretty close. Okay. Well let's look at where Larkin is. Larkin is 93rd all time in war per plate appearance. And Rollins 453. <laughs> that killed me just now. <laughs> that killed I, you know what's funny though? Like when you look at RBIs, Larkin has 960, Rollins has 936. He's not far off. Home runs, Rollins outslugs Larkin. Uh, stolen bases, Rollins steals more than Larkin, and it's hits. He out hits Larkin 240, 2,455 to do 2,340. Did Rollins uh, win an MVP? He did win. They each won one MVP, one championship. Yeah. Uh, Rollins actually has one more gold glove. What Barry Larkin has way more. Then Rollins is Silver Slug Awards, nine to one. Wow. So, I mean, I guess I picked two bad ones, but when career-wise I saw the home runs, he did better, stolen bases, and the RBIs were pretty close. He actually had more hits. I was like, wow, how does Jimmy Rollins not have more consideration? 
Well, I picked Nomar Garcia Para as my Ooh. shortstop. Oh, and again, a guy a guy that I think was overshadowed in the era of amazing shortstops with Jeter and A Rod and Tejada, and I mean, just in the American League alone, there were tons of amazing shortstops. Ripken was still playing short early in in Garcia Parra's career. He moved to third, but um, it was there was a lot. It was a crowded <laughs> short, and he still made a lot of All Star teams. Uh, Garcia Parra did. And, you know, for four or five seasons, he was great, right? He was great. I think there was um, a playoff where uh, Jeter got hurt. He dove into the stands. And Garcia – and this guy's killing himself to win a game where Garcia Parra was like maybe had a fingernail that was broken and he left the game or something. And he had to look at Jeter giving everything blood, sweat, and tears – to win a game and it made Garcia Parra look better. And I remember after that season, Garcia Parra just was never the same. Yeah, Garcia Parra 162 average, 26 home runs, 106 RBIs, batted 313 for his career. That's if you if you, if you had that kind of production, that's pretty good. Um where is he in your in your list compared to some of his uh peers? Garcia Parra is 135. Ooh. And Jeter? Uh, Jeter's. Good question. 332 for Jeter. <laughs> and then um, Tejada, I guess. Okay. 408. So Tejada's way worse. Um, like. Garcia Parra, again, didn't play as long as Jeter, didn't win the championships that Jeter won, didn't, you know, there's a lot of didn'ts there, right? But he won a couple batting titles, rookie of the year, multiple, multiple time all-star, um, had a very lackluster end to it. His post-Boston career was mediocre, right? And at best. At best. So that really hurt him. He only had about seven or eight good seasons to one. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six good seasons. That's <laughs> um, it? Yeah, that's really it. And Ooh. just to compare to Michael Young earlier, Garcia Parra only had one 200 hit season. Oh, okay. Michael Young had six and Jeter had a bunch too, by the way. So, no question Jeter's career was better than Garcia Parra's. Like, it's not even close. But on a war per plate appearance, I, I've, I've always thought Jeter was overrated. Um, is Jeter a great player? Of course. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. First ballot. No question. Is he as great as everybody thinks he is? No. He, um, he was Mr. Intangible for a reason. You had to watch him every day to appreciate what he did. And that, that was his career. It wasn't just that. He had to appreciate him in other ways to say, okay, he does more in other ways than others do. I, no denying it. No denying it. Um, by the way, Ichiro is 345 on my list of war per plate appearance. Really? So, yes. He's and we really were comparing hard. Kenny Lofton to that. And Lofton's higher. And Tim Raines? Uh, Reigns, 
185. Oof. About in line with Tony Gwynn, just so you know. Wow. To think about who he compares to. Um, and again, that's not the end all be all. I'm not trying to, but that's just something you can, it's something to look at. All right. I'm going to move on. What have we done? We did short. We have second right field and catcher and pitcher. Okay. We got to, we're going to move a little quicker here. All right. Second base. Who have you got? I put Bobby Gritch. Bobby Gritch. And wow. before, before you laugh and, and just <laughs> say, what are you crazy? Um, Bobby Gritch is 53rd all time in war per plate appearance. Wow. That's wow. pretty high up there. What Gritch doesn't have is <laughs> everything else you need to be a Hall of Famer because he has a high career war. He's over 70 career war, like 71.1. That's actually pretty high but he never won an mvp he was um he, he was an all-star six times uh but this is at a time when second base was a very light hitting other than joe morgan you know nobody really hit for was a was a productive offensive player uh rod crew but a different type of hitter right rod crew was than, mm -hmm. than joe morgan but um he hit 224 home runs in an era when not a lot of guys were hitting tons of home runs, but he, he never won any major batting titles or awards. He won a bunch, you know, several gold gloves, but he doesn't stand out. You know, I never watched Bobby Gritch. I watched him in the end of his career in the eighties and yeah, good solid player. You know, I never, I still don't know that I think, he should be in the hall of fame. I just, I'm putting him as the best player, not in the hall of fame at that position. Okay. Uh, but Bobby Gritch, who do you got? Lou Whitaker. Oh, that's a much better choice than mine. <laughs> a much better choice. <laughs> and okay. uh, to me, Lou Whitaker was like uh, Kenny Lofton, such a table setter for the rest, Trammell and Kirk Gibson. Like, without Lou Whitaker setting that table up, the Tigers team probably wouldn't have been as good as they were. And then I compared him in his era to Ryan Sandberg, and they weren't that far apart when it comes to hits, uh, home runs. I thought Lou Whitaker was like a slap hitter. Ryan Sandberg had 282 home runs compared to 244 for Lou Whitaker. So I was shocked to see that. And then with RBIs, I thought Sandberg would have him by a mile. Lou Whitaker actually out RBI'd him 1084 to 1061. So I was shocked to see that. Now, Lou Whitaker played a longer career, but if we're just taking careers as a whole, um, how doesn't Lou Whitaker get in there? Uh, I think he should be in there, uh, actually. I think that you made a much better selection at second base than me. <laughs> Whitaker's 75 war, by the way. That's impressive and for his career. His 162s are 162 game average, 17 homers, 73 RBIs, 276 batting average. Okay. okay. Compared to, so what did I just say? 17. 73 276. Let's look at Sandberg. By the way, guys, all of our you can you can test us out. Uh, we're just using baseball reference. 
Okay. Um, yes. So Sandberg hit higher, 285, mm -hmm. but 21 and 79 versus 16 and 76. So let's just say comparable, right? Mm -hmm. Very. Uh, and Sandberg is a kind of, everybody goes, yeah, no doubt, Hall of Famer, right? Right, exactly. And in his era, he was the gold standard in his era. Right. And to me, how is Lou Whitaker not the gold standard in the American League compared to Ryan Sandberg in the National League? Um, he should get in already. I don't understand what's taking him so long. I think his time's coming. I, I do think there's, we're going to see a influx of players getting in in the next era committee cycle. Mm -hmm. but we'll see. Okay. Hopefully they'll ask me to be on it. Two more <laughs> positions. Uh, that would be a dream, right? To be in that room, to make arguments yeah. for. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. I come in there with an encyclopedia worth of stats. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do pitcher. Cause I, I actually think that one might, that was the easiest one for me to pick. Yeah. For me too. Pitcher. And to me, it's no doubt, no question. It's Kurt Schilling. Agreed. Is the best pitcher not in the Hall of Fame? Uh, will Schilling get in? I, I think they're going to make him wait, and now he's got to wait anyway because of the the Veterans Committee cycles, the Era Committees. But uh, gosh, Schilling is just the postseason performances. The the, I mean. He showed up and he play, he pitched in big moments and he was really dominating. And I, I've actually made the case when I compared careers doing something that you did. I actually think Kurt Schilling had as good a career on a per game and just, you know, when he, he didn't play as long as Nolan Ryan. Yeah, I can make the case close. that Schilling, Schilling is as good as Nolan Ryan. My thing with Kurt Schilling and like the eye test is when he was with Arizona, he wasn't far off from Randy Johnson. They were like 1A, 1B. And with the Red Sox, he wasn't far off from Pedro Martinez, 1A, 1B. So if you can hang neck and neck with Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez, how are you not a Hall of Famer? Yeah, again, a lot of self-inflicted wounds there for Schilling, as we're all aware. You know, a lot of post-career mouthing off that has cost him. It, he would have gotten inducted a couple of years ago, most likely. Uh, but, and certainly this year in the first era committee vote, if he had gotten overlooked by the writers, he would have been in with Fred McGriff. But mm -hmm. I think he just pissed off too many people, which again, it's just... Why are you letting that enter into your decision about it, it just like, why does that matter? Was he a good pitcher or not? Yes, no, or maybe, you know, but okay. So we both agree. And what I'd love in the comments, especially if you're watching on YouTube is all these different positions. We would love to, I'd love to hear what you think, who your best player is at each position. That's not in the hall of fame because James and I don't have a monopoly on good ideas and we dang sure don't have a monopoly on, uh, brilliance with baseball history, but we're going to go to the last position. I think I picked somebody you're really going to like, but who did you pick for catcher? Oh, we got two more positions, right field and catcher. Oh yeah. Right field. We hadn't done right field. You want, let's do right field first. Then we'll do catcher last. 
Okay, so for right field, I'm gonna make John Mangini very happy. And that's uh, Mr. Dave Parker. How is he not in the Hall of Fame? And um, I actually compared him to Jim Rice and they're relatively comparable for the most part. But Dave Parker, I knew him to be great offensively, defensively, and he had a long career, and he goes to the Reds and wins an MVP. Even with the Oakland Athletics, he was still very good in his later days. I thought he's a sure and Hall of Famer, no matter what. Yeah. Um, well, John Mangini is going to be happy with me, too, because I, too, picked Dave Parker as my right fielder who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Are there other guys we're not thinking of? I mean... To me, that was probably my second easiest position to pick was Dave Parker. Yeah. And yeah. Parker's been one of those guys that over the years, as he's been considered for these era committee, you know, he's been long off the writer's ballot. And as he every time he comes up in these era committees, it's it feels like Dick Allen and Dave Parker are just talked about a lot. And they always fall short. And I'm wondering, again, not as we talked in the very beginning, are the standards being lowered, but let's just recognize greatness with Dave Parker was pretty darn amazing. And it, it forced me to look at him more, I guess is where I'm going with that. And I, I can make an easy case for Dave Parker. I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially when I look at my main thing was when I threw up these names, what guy in the hall of famer, can you compare him to? And when I find someone, and that person was like a no doubter. Like in this case, I found Jim Rice's that to be close. Jim Rice to me is, I test feared on the Red Sox. I didn't want to see him when I was, you know, watching a Yankee game. I did not want to see Jim Rice come up with bases loaded because I knew he's going to hit it off the wall or, or rip one somewhere. Dave Parker, stats-wise, was right there. And Dave Parker, again, in the National League was just a monster. Well, I have some bad news. If we want to use our um, little war per plate appearance discussion, Jim Rice, 378. So not that great. Okay. Dave Parker, again, we're looking at the top 500 of all time. 493. <laughs> oh, ouch. But he is above Harold Baines. So. Ouch. There is that. We had to bring one Harold Baines reference into this. I have to rag on Harold Baines every chance I get just because it's fun. And then there's so many people out there that listen to this podcast are like, why do you always pick on Harold Baines? Well, my stat proves he's number 500 out of 500, the top 500 players. Um, I mean, there's guys like BJ Serhoff that are above Harold Baines. Let's go. Oh, wow. Eddie Yost is in front of Harold Baines. Ray Durham. So, but Dave Parker, not that great in terms of war per plate appearance. I, I think that has to do with, he didn't get a lot of playing time in his final few years, you know, with the A's and all that. Uh, I think he played his last season with Reggie on the A's, like 88. Does that sound right? I think so. I remember yeah. Dave Parker's 88 Fleer card. Cause he's with the, he's got that beard and yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still think Dave Parker should be in the Hall of Fame. So, agreed. And I think he's the best right fielder. Okay, catcher. Who you Who got, you like? James? Who do you like? Okay, now this one is 
purely um, looking at players now that we're saying are going to get in, are sue-ins. Do you think Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer just beforehand? Do I think he is or do I think he'll get in? Those are two very different questions. Do you questions. think he is and will get in? No, I don't think he should get in. Yes, I think he will get in. Buster Posey. Like, I would not vote for Yadier Molina. And people think I'm nuts, but I would not. Uh, Buster Posey, I would not vote for. Okay. And I think he will get in. No problem. So my election would be Posada. Okay. Because when you compare Posada's careers to Posey and Molina, they're very comparable. And I think Posada got overshadowed, much like uh, maybe first base. We said that uh, Delgado got overshadowed. Posada played in the same era of Ivan Rodriguez and Piazza. So when you compare Posada to those two guys who are like two of the best who ever played that catcher, yeah, he pales in comparison. But when you look at his numbers, they were actually pretty damn good. And in comparison to Posey and Molina, they're very comparable. All right, let's see where Posada ranks in the two ninety two. Two ninety two. That's yeah. He's right around Delmer or uh, right around Albert Bell, actually. <laughs> believe it wow. or not. Um, Andre Dawson, guys like that. Above Look Sammy Sosa, by the way. Okay. On steroids. <laughs> right. So. And Posey and Molina, where are they if they're on the list? Posey's high. He's number 85. He's really what? high. Oh, my gosh. There so, goes my argument. <laughs> yeah. Posey should. For me, it's a long. Posey played 12 years, you know. Um Molina played a lot longer, obviously. He played 19 seasons, but he's 428. So he's way worse. And remember, this includes defense. And everybody, that's the argument I get about Molina is he was a great defensive catcher and yada, yada. Uh, get it? Yada, yada. I should have said yada, yada. <laughs> but I just, do I think Molina was a good player? Yeah. And in an era now where catching is, like, again, if you look at it by era, like, I, I better not argue against myself. I did say you need to look at it by era. No question, Yachty, one of the top two or three catchers of his era. Zero question. And if you think, well, catching just isn't the same as it was, certainly in the 50s when you had Campy and Yogi and you had just amazing catchers all over the place. Now it's much a, a much more difficult position to play for a long time, do it well. I think Salvi's going to be a Hall of Famer. Salvador Perez is going to be a Hall of Famer. And, uh, but you would put them all in the same breath. Posey, you could argue Maurer. Joe Maurer deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He won three batting titles as a catcher. Right. That's pretty I impressive. Agree. And an MVP, right? So, yes. Um, and then people say, well, well, Maurer moved to first his last four or five. Seasons. Okay. Like, where do you draw a line on logic? I don't know. I think Molina will get in. I I do make the mistake, admittedly, of comparing Molina to Yogi and Bench and all the other great catchers, Pudge. 
and it's just not a fair comparison. They played in different eras. It was a different time. The game was right. different. So right. I guess I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Yachty's going to get in. And it doesn't matter, again, what Mike Moynihan thinks or what James Perez thinks. <laughs> but uh, you're going to be happy. My catcher, Thurman Munson. Yes. I think Thurman is the best catcher because technically Yachty and all those guys aren't eligible. Um, who did you pick again? Who was your catcher? I had a Yankee, Posada. So the Yankee... Oh, Posada. Munson was way better than Posada. Let's be honest. Per season, yes, he has an MVP. And you could say he was the captain, which Posada never got that moniker. But yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna pick Posada over Munson. I think you have me with catcher. I had you with uh Lou Whitaker. <laughs> right. Uh I, I think Munson's again, it's a it's something that comes up every time he's on the ballot, you know, for Eric committees. And I think it, again, if he would have, he could have played long. He would have played longer, right, without the plane crash. But we'll never know. And you can't base your decision on shoulda, woulda, coulda, maybe's, right? Where is uh, he? Where is Munson, he on your list? Munson's actually pretty high. Um, Munson is number ninety all time. Ooh. Munson is above Albert Pujols. No way. In terms of war per plate appearance. And if you want to compare him even to a catcher, he's above Gary Carter in war per plate appearance. And But he also had twice as many plate appearance. Gary Carter, that's my point, is Gary Carter was able to play a lot longer. He was He's better than Mike Piazza. I'm looking down the list here at catchers, war per plate appearance, higher than Piazza, higher than Gary Carter. Um. Those guys are kind of, and right below Bill Dickey, who's also kind of that no-doubter Hall of Famer. Right below wow. Buster Posey, who's going to get in. So, it. I just, I love the discussion. I love the, I wish, we need to seem to think outside the box and not be so career milestone focused and, you know, all these things that we think of when we think Hall of Famer. Uh, I think maybe redefining what Hall of Famer means. And I don't know. I, I don't know that I have a great answer, but I do know that I love talking about it. Did you have a good time? I really did. I was so fired up when you came up with that list. And now to see where some of these names seed compared to others, it puts things a little bit more in perspective. Uh, because, yeah, like you said, war isn't the defining barometer. It helps with the different eras, but it's not the end-all be-all. And then your list, it's pretty fun. And this is this is all great talk, fun talk. Uh, I love seeing where some players ended up almost out of the list. So this is great. I love this talk. Well, if you're a Hall of Fame prospect and you're thinking about guys that might get in eventually, uh, I think we gave you a lot of good names to go chasing after some cards of these guys, to look into their careers, to learn about them, what they did, what they meant to their teams. And uh, hopefully you learned something. So, James, thanks, man, again, for being on the show. Tell everybody where they can find you and consume more of your awesome content. <laughs> you can catch me on YouTube at Elite Hunters. Uh, that's two words. And I love to just 
take on videos like this where I do a little deep diving. I love looking into greatness, careers of like triple crown winners and MVP winners and sometimes obscure players that maybe did great things. So that's what you'll find at my channel. Like Bobby Gritch. <laughs> Bobby Gritch. I got to look into him now a little deeper. <laughs> Well, James, thanks again for being here. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next week for another episode. Have a good one and keep collecting. Keep collecting.